Hello to all of our friends in podcast land. This is Bree from No Guilt Mom. We wanted to add a little intro to today's episode. Um, this morning is February 14th, 2023, and Joanne and I woke up to the absolutely devastating news that our guest on today's podcast, Mr. Dave Hollis, passed away peacefully in his home this weekend. We interviewed him a couple months back in December of 22 for the episode. He is such an amazing guy, um, so much energy, so much positivity, so much love for his family. Um, I think you guys are going to absolutely love this episode, but we wanted to have the opportunity to give our condolences and our love to all of his family and friends and to just say thank you so much for the time with us, Dave. You were an amazing person, and uh, your legacy will live on. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Bree Tucker. Why, hello, hello, buddy. How are you? <laughs> we are just enjoying our time here. Bree and I are both coming off of kind of hard days, as I was saying before. I got a speeding ticket today. It's not great. <laughs> but you have those days when you're just like, okay, so this thing happened at the beginning, and I just need to get through it, right? 100%. Yeah. And I haven't gotten a speeding ticket for 20 years. Like, it's been a while. Well, and that's been a topic of conversation in our household because we're teaching, you know, my oldest to drive. And yeah. every, and in the beginning, he was so slow. And we would get out on the roads. We'd be like, hey, you got to at least be with the flow of traffic. Now I catch him speeding on the main road right by my house that, you know, Val Vista, he's just, I'm like, slow down, dude. I was like, this is not when you want to get a speeding ticket. You don't even have a license yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to get a ton of speeding tickets when I was younger. Like, I, I probably have had at least 15 speeding tickets in my in really my past. Oh, yeah. I only oh, got easy. one, one, and it was driving back from Las Vegas in college, and I was going real fast, like 106 miles per hour fast. Yeah, Holy it was cow. real fast. And the cop who pulled me over was like, I should be taking you to jail right now. This is criminal speed. I'm like, I'm, I know. I'm sorry. I actually had to just use the bathroom. I had to pee. Like, oh my God. I, like, I mean, I didn't think I would get caught. Like, was that, it just you? Was there no, anybody else in the car? No, it was me and three friends. And we were driving actually my friend's mom's car. So that was a whole thing. I felt so stupid because I did it because I thought I could get away with it because it was like just empty roads. Like, Empty. Right. I wasn't passing anyone. There was like no one else there except the cop who he was me. hiding somewhere. I would have yeah. beat myself probably right when I saw him. I'd be like, okay, it's done. It's done. That one stayed on my record for so long. And I haven't actually gotten another speeding ticket since that one. And wow. So this morning when I was pulling, I'm like, I see it in the rear view mirror. I'm like, is it pulling me over? I was just so beside myself. And it was because it was a street. One of those streets that looks like it should be 35 to 40 miles per hour, having having no houses on it whatsoever. Um, and it was 25. And he was there in an unmarked car. I just wasn't paying attention to the speed limit sign. And I was going like 41. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, well, you know me. I'm always late. So is it really shocking that I've had 15 speeding tickets in my life? I mean, come <laughs> on. Really? Uh, I, I haven't gotten any in a while out here. I used to get them a lot because the other thing too is, so maybe this is another factor. I drove a lot. I was a home visitor. So I had pediatric and home therapy. So I was in my car five days a week for 
you know, the all day long. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a lot of driving. I got a lot of tickets, but I will say at the end, I managed to talk myself out of a lot. I have a talent. Like I, I need like that our talent. guest says, like our guest says later in the in the interview, he has a very particular set of skills. I have a very particular set of skills. I need those skills. I need those <laughs> skills. Well, our guest today is Dave Hollis, who we are very excited to interview. Dave Hollis is an author. He is a podcast host and an entrepreneur, and he helps small business owners as an integrator consultant right now. He's a busy dad to four kids, ages 15, 14, 10, and five, and has been a foster parent also many times over. And he just released a new children's book called Here's to Your Dreams, which is super cute. We recommend you go get it. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Dave Hollis. It's very nice to Hi, meet Joanne. you. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Bree. Where are you guys, meet, yeah. where are guys located? Here in Phoenix, we're in, we, we're in Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Gilbert? Yep. Gilbert. I go to Gilbert all the time. Oh, yeah? yeah? I heard, yeah, like I thought that I had heard that you uh, you were out here in Phoenix sometimes. Heidi lives in Gilbert, so you know, oh, I, go, I go see the Heidi, the Heidi crew all the time. Oh, Yay! that's awesome. That's cool. She lives in Gilbert because I saw on her Instagram an event she did and I was trying to figure out the location of the event because I know she's here and I want to say it's in downtown Chandler. It's like the bricks or something. Was it that? Was I right? I think so. Okay. I'm like, yes, I know yeah. my, my event venues, my locations. Well, that's cool. Where are you now? Uh, I'm in Austin. Well, outside of Austin, Texas, a little place called Dripping Springs, 45 minutes oh. away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Austin's that's on my bucket list. City limits. It's a good spot. It's a good yep. spot. Good music. Good people. Good vibe. Yeah, I love it. And you've lived there now for a couple years. You moved out a few years ago. Moved in 2018. So what is that? Four years. Four and a half years. Yeah. And you moved from where I was before in LA. I know because you worked for Disney in sales. Yeah. And I, I take special note of that because I also worked in the entertainment industry as well. I worked for Endeavor. I was an assistant oh. to. A talent agent. And so like, I'm always like looking at entertainment people and I'm like, it's such a small world, right? Like, everybody who comes out of entertainment. It is weird. I mean, as much as like, man, so much of my identity was wrapped up in working at Disney. I'm not like, I don't miss it. I'm, I'm happy for the people that are still there. But like when the recent, you know, change of guard, my, I had reported directly to Bob Chapik for 10 years, mm-hmm. worked obviously with Bob Iger. Now that Iger's back in as CEO, I got so many texts from people and I'm like, you have mistaken me as someone who is still either working in the company or is interested in coming back. I love that part of my life. It was so amazing. And also, I love this part of my life. Thank you very much. It's nice to not have to worry about who's running the organization. <laughs> yeah. No, I especially love your story because you've really, I want to say you've really like transformed yourself multiple times, well, careers, multiple passions, and just going after what's in front of you at the time. Because I grew up in a household where my my parents have had, had the same job for 35, 40 years. And that's what, you know, I kind of entered the workforce in thinking I'd be at the same job for 30, 40 years. And it's just not, it doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. Well, I don't think it I is mean, the case. Th- well, it's like, I know I worked really, really, really hard for 20 years in entertainment. So like there was a long period of time where I thought I was climbing this mountain for a certain destination only to realize that that wasn't the mountain that I was meant to climb for my entire life. And now some of that hard work like created a security that allowed me to take something of a chance and jump away from everything I'd ever known. But now that I've been for these last, you know, four years, 
working inside of a space that I could have never, ever imagined. There is somewhat of a kind of choose your own adventure nature to it because it's entrepreneurial, but it also is the things that are going to connect most with an audience or the things that are going to be most effective as like resources or tools, or whatever, are most often going to be connected to things I have the most passion for or I'm using or going through in my real life. And so I've kind of just let my own growth journey dictate what it is that I work on or what I create. And I don't know, there's privilege in that. There's excitement in that. There's it's, it's a very cool thing. Kind of gravitating toward what you're interested at the time, would you say? Oh, for sure. It's like I am in the midst of working on a next book and the reality of like how to approach working on it was um, what's the book that I need to read myself in this stage of my journey? <laughs> like what, you know, prescription would I give myself? And like, it's, so it's, it ends up being very specific to the things that I'm working through in identity or the things I'm working through in self-love or the things that I'm working through in all of it. But there's also just like radical <laughs> relatability that ends up existing because we're all kind of the same as much as we've had all these different experiences. And the only thing you can do is like tap into something that you are intimately involved in, in your life at that time. Mm -hmm. And the more that you're, I don't know, willing to be vulnerable safely vulnerable, I guess, but like vulnerable in, you know, what you're going through and what you're, you know, what tools you're using to try and continue to move forward. I don't know. It seems like it works. It's the only thing that I would know how to write though, you know? Yeah. Writing what you're going through at the time. I read Built Through Courage and I loved how you started the book with saying that you thought 2020 was going to be your best year ever. And I thought that was incredibly relatable to you for so oh many my gosh, reasons yes. for people who went into it. <laughs> yeah. And it just created this like path of change. And something I know that parents listening to us have is that a lot of times when they're asked, what, what's your goal? Like, what are you working on? What excites you? They have no idea. Because their day-to-day -day is so focused on taking care of the kids and making sure everybody else has what they need that they really have no time to focus on themselves. Have you ever been in that stage of life where you just, you didn't know what direction to go in next? I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGH.
NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I fall into that all the time. Like, I'm not even sure that I'm totally out of that, you know, at any point in time, because I can get super motivated. I can see very clearly a vision of either what I'd like to accomplish or where I'd like to go. And then life happens and the chaos and craziness of four kids happens. And it can in, you know, having you have to slow down or take your eye off that goal every once in a while finds you like, wait a second, what am I going for? What is most important? Like there, there's always going to be something of opposition between this vision of where you'd hope to go and the responsibilities that you have to show up well for your kids and the way that you still need to take care of yourself and the way that you might be in a relationship with another person. And those things always tugging on themselves have me coming back to a question of how I want my life to feel. Like, how do I want to feel the day? How do I want to feel the week? Is there a way that I can create something of lifestyle goals that in having created those lifestyle goals allow my professional pursuits and my relational pursuits and the way I want to be the kind of dad I hope to be to my kids fall into the lifestyle that I'm talking about as opposed to it just being about, uh, you know, reaching this, this big goal on the professional side. I think part of it too, I've had a couple of different careers and I've had some really cool professional success. But I think when I was growing up, I thought that happiness or fulfillment or, or, or being lovable or whatever it was, was going to be um, accessed at the destination when the goal was achieved, the title was achieved, the dollar amount in the bank account was achieved. And none of the times where any kind of achievement happened, was there some magic wand that immediately made me feel different about myself? I, yeah, I maybe had some right. pride hitting the goal, but it yeah. wasn't like, oh, that's now when all of a sudden, boom, I love myself in a way that I hadn't loved myself before. And so the work I've had to do is just be super intentional about creating an appreciation for the process being the thing that you have to fall in love with rather than the destination. That is and such so, a good point. Like, like I, I, mean, I get like, caught into that thinking too. Like almost lost in like where they're headed. Just remember that you're only ever where you are. Like just like be present where your feet are. Appreciate that the things that you're going through are hopefully preparing you for whatever ends up coming next. And that, this process is where 
life happens and where fulfillment happens and where, I don't know, like destiny, there's like, it's like, there's a term for it, like destination envy or destination, whatever it is. But it's not about getting necessarily to the goal. And I think you should have goals and I think you should mm -hmm. push to achieve them. It's about enjoying the, the process along the way. It's about enjoying the journey. Even if you feel lost at times, you're still on the journey and it's okay as long as there's an appreciation for you being where you're supposed to be and learning what you're supposed to learn at this point in time. Yeah, you bring up such a good point because that is something that I am working on in my own life, like not thinking that it's the destination I get to versus the process. It's a really hard mind shift to take. Have you read the book, The Gap and the Gain? I have not. Oh my gosh, I totally recommend this book. So okay. it's it's all, it's Bree's like, she talks about this book all the time, my goodness. Yeah, I think we have a whole episode about it actually, but go maybe, on. Yes, maybe yes. we do. So it's thinking about when you usually think about something and you set a goal, you'll achieve a certain level in the goal and you'll compare that level that you reached to this ideal and you'll be unhappy because you're thinking right here in the gap and where you should be thinking is measuring your progress versus zero from where you started. And yeah. that's the gain. And that part of thinking has totally changed my, like my positivity, my outlook and being able to stay in the moment so much more. So good. I, I just recently was watching, there was a Ted talk that somebody sent me and it was about the power of starting with a positive thought over a negative thought in any mm -hmm. situation. It reminds me of what you're talking about, but when we are introduced as humans with the failure rate versus the success rate, or if we're introduced with how difficult something might be instead of the number of people who've actually achieved it, our brain almost immediately discounts that it's an even possible thing for us because of this revelation that other people haven't succeeded. Where mm -hmm. on the other side, when you're able to see those that have succeeded and those who have you know, achieved this thing first, your brain attaches to the thing, oh, it's possible. So it's possible for me. And yeah. so like, it's the, the gap versus gain. It's the same kind of thing. If you're focused on the gap, you're in trouble. There'll be no traction, momentum, whatever it might be. If you're focused on the bad thing that can happen, you'll search for the evidence to back up your hypothesis that something bad's going to happen. Whereas if you're looking for the good or believe that you're, the good will happen, you'll find that same evidence too. It's yeah. tough as we're humans. It's it's oh. energy sucking too. And totally. it's so funny because in this book, they're also like, well, you also can't like think that you're going to stay in the gain forever because that's idealistic thinking <laughs> in the gap. So just trying and going towards that goal of thinking more gain thinking, which really brings us to transferring this knowledge to our kids. And that's something I love what you've done in Tea Time with Noah. It was such a cute story and her, okay, first of all, I have to address the nautical theme because I notice it in every <laughs> single one of your works. And you also have a tattoo, right? That has like a boat on it what, or like, what does your tattoo say? Like my tattoo says a ship in Harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. I'm not good on boats. I don't even know how <laughs> I like got into the nautical theme, but to be honest, I mean, I, I, I got this tattoo just as I was leaving this long corporate identity, this long corporate mm -hmm. work for whatever, whatever the new was going to be. And it was terrifying because I was very familiar with the work that I was doing and I was doing it well. And the decision to leave didn't make sense to almost anyone who I told. And I had to remind myself that just because I'm, you know, going into something new, 
that that new is, of course, going to be the thing that's going to help me grow and help me learn and help me you know, become this better, different version of me. Mm-hmm. And the thing I think we all as humans end up having some connection to is comfort and predictability and the idea of the kind of nautical theme, the harbor, right? A ship is actually meant to be out on the choppy seas. It was built to handle the, the choppy waters by keeping it docked in the harbor you're underutilizing the intention of its creation. And so I, you know, I want to be maximally used for all of what I've been designed for. And that means pushing myself into super uncomfortable things and being okay with the chop and the rock and maybe even getting sick in the midst of all of it. But I have to remind myself all the time because growth is great, except it's hard and growth is great. except it, You know, can be scary and trigger a whole host of fear and, and, you know, a ton of core wounds and whatever else. And it doesn't always succeed. Like something that I appreciated you were so vulnerable about is that when you left Disney and um, you teamed up with Rachel to do her company that you were at the end, you're like, well, this wasn't really my dream. This was someone else's dream. And I watched you guys all the way through that. I was in the movie theater watching that Rise movie. (laughs) That was like... (laughs) So like seeing that progression and now seeing you in this new thing um, and then writing a book for your daughter, did she have any input in the book when you were writing it? Oh yeah. I mean, well, I'll just, the genesis of the book, like when I wrote the first of my books, get out of your own way, I had that moment where I was like, gosh, the idea that I even have to write a personal development book suggests that there is something wrong with the way that we are being developed. At some point in time, the world has some lies. It sells them to us. We believe them instead of our own truths. And then we need books or conferences or something to remind us of who we are, to remind us of our truth. And so in that window of writing was like, God, is there some way that I could start early with my daughter and reinforce some of these ideas for grownups, but in language that a young person can understand? And so we started shooting the series. It was To be honest, it was just a really fun thing that we were already doing. And it was great to get her ridiculous and awesome reactions on camera. And as time went by, the publisher reached out and was like, hey, what do you think about making a kid's book where you do the same kind of thing, teaching people with fun and adventure? It doesn't taste like medicine, but there is something good in in a message. And I was like, yeah, this sounds great. Well, it's been a couple of years. So like we... From the very beginning, we get sketches from different, you know, illustrators, and then we got to kind of narrow down which ones we like. Then we started writing and I'm telling the story and she's feeding into what she thinks the, you know, what's the turn here? What's the turn there? And uh, in a world where like, man, I was hoping that she would be excited about working on a project together. She's been wildly more excited than I could have ever expected. Like us getting the first time and her seeing herself illustrated on the cover of a book. That's like one of the most magical things I think I've ever captured on film. It was so cool. Well, I mean, let's just say like how many kids get to have that? True. People in general, but right there, kids like, I'm on a book. That's me. That's me. You're not on a book? I thought everybody went on a book when they were younger. I know. I know. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? 
Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And just like the story about encountering self-doubt, because, I mean, I think that's something that we need to talk more with about kids because there's this mindset, especially when you're a high achiever, or if you're a child who has gotten praise for being a high achiever, that you never want to be in that situation where it's possible for you to fail. And it takes you, like, it goes into adulthood with you. So have you seen your kids deal with self-doubt and how have you as a parent kind of approached that? I mean, of course I have, because they are humans like yeah. everybody else is human and every <laughs> human has self-doubt. Um, the, the really interesting thing in real time is that like Noah is so strong-willed. She is so confident. She is so sure of herself that when we get a phone call from the school and it's like, uh, you know, Noah has been uh, really standing up for herself. I'm like, oh, good girl. That's awesome. They're like, well, and maybe crossing a couple of boundaries in uh, self-defense. Oh. Uh, and maybe maybe being a, a first mover in uh, invading personal space. Got to like, push those boundaries to know where the limits are, right? <laughs> no. On the one hand, I don't want in any way to like put any shade over the light. Like I know she's just got so much light and also she needs to keep her hands to herself. But uh, when it comes to overcoming self-doubt, the, I mean, I can tell them a whole host of things. The thing I'm trying to do most is model how I also, as a person, have self-doubt. And I'm putting myself into situations that force me to confront it and mm-hmm. be humbled at times by a lack of experience, whatever it might be. So I'll, like, the example I'll give in real time, about a month ago, I did a physique competition. Which, oh, yes, I saw this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, what, what are we even doing here? I'm not sure that I would ever <laughs> see myself standing on stage, oiled up with a bunch of tanner, flexing muscles. And yet I did it. And if I had known what I was getting into, to be honest, I don't even know if I would have because it was one of the most discipline necessary. Like I, I worked so hard uh, to do this thing, but I got there and I went backstage and it was very, very apparent that the people who were entering this competition had been at it for considerably longer period of time than the six months that I had been at it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had a lot of self-doubt backstage. Yeah, I had a lot of self-doubt going into the competition. My, my kids were witness to it. 
But I also flew my kids to the competition so that they could see me standing on stage, as it turns out, with 11 other competitors inside of my class. And as much as they didn't give out a last place, I'm pretty sure I got last place. Like I, and I'm, I'm like I'm comfortable suggesting that I got last place. And it was it had no effect on the way that I felt pride for the work that I put in. It had no effect on the way that I was proud of confronting the fear of, of walking in there or the way that walking into the auditorium with 600 people sitting in the stand. I was like, what are all these people doing here? I thought we were doing a small show. This is crazy. And so modeling a little bit of like, hey, I'm going to do scary things. I'm going to try whether it's a physical thing or something new in, in my professional life, whatever it might be. I'm going to do this thing and I'm nervous about it and I might have some doubt about it. But the only way that I'm going to create a little more confidence is by confronting that fear, maybe even failing, maybe getting last place in something, maybe being humbled by it. But through that experience, learning in a way that now the next time I want to do a fitness competition or the next time I want to do anything, I can say, oh, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I was worried it would be. I learned all these things that I would not have otherwise learned. And now armed with that information, I'm much more confident going into the next thing that is new because I have evidence that I can handle doing new things. I have evidence that I can survive failing. I, can, I have evidence that I can put myself out there and not die. All right, let's go. I love it. And I think it's like the best way to teach kids is through the experiences of parents and what parents like put forth. I think it's Ed Milet who said something like the worst form of the worst thing you could do as a parent is not like realize your true potential because you're showing them what's possible. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because I try to make myself vulnerable in those situations too, but like mine are more relationship based. I'm very shy and I don't like confrontation or conflict whatsoever. So I find myself narrating my text messages that I'm writing with my kids when I have those conversations and I'm telling them about it so that they feel that conflict's normal in relationships, like something like I had trouble with when I was like younger. Right. But it's, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. So what are you doing next? What is exciting you right now? Well, I mean, I have turned my professional focus for the last handful of months actually into a thing that I have really enjoyed, but that is totally different than what I've been working on the last couple of years. And that is small business consulting, for lack of a better word. In every organization, there needs to be two kinds of people, if the organization is going to really fully meet its potential, there's a great book called Rocket Fuel that talks about this, um, a it. visionary and an, and an integrator. And as much as I think I have some vision, I have a super set of skills like Liam Neeson uh, around <laughs> figuring out the how to someone else casting a vision for the what. And yeah. so you know, finding these different people who've got great ideas, who've got a lot of vision, but don't necessarily know how to fully, totally implement mm -hmm. that idea or make it profitable or organize the team or whatever it might be. I've been spending time in, in these smaller companies or personality-based businesses, smaller businesses, trying to work with people who are trying to make an impact on this world. And we've got four, four nice for-profit clients, two nice pro bono nonprofit organizations that I get to work with. And uh, it still gives me time to do some writing, still gives me time to work on the podcast. And uh, it's been great. That is quite, well, I guess it's not quite the shift from what you did before because you had all that business experience and it's like the next kind of iteration. Change also true. Yeah. It's weird because 
this last, I mean, the last couple of years, there's just been so much in life. And there are components of this bizarrely semi-public version of what my life has become that uh, I'm not sure that I love. I mean, I, yeah. I like it in some ways and it hasn't necessarily been, um, it's been a trigger sometimes for some of the stuff that I don't necessarily like in terms of how I feel about myself or the way that I have been tempted historically to drink or something like that. And I'm like, well, you may have identified the cause of some of the pain that's existed in your life. You get a choice. You want to continue to spend as much time publicly and uh, have some of that pain present, or do you want to pursue a little bit more of a private life and, and enjoy the things that exist, you know, in real time. So I've stepped back quite a bit from social and mm -hmm. I can't say that I miss it that much. And yeah. it doesn't mean that I might not go back. You know, it's like, I just, I'll, I'll spend time there when I feel like it. And, uh, I just don't feel like it that often right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't imagine having my life be as public as yours has for the past two years. And I yeah. did I did notice the time when you said that you were stepping back from social media because I feel like everything out there and everyone has an opinion on it and nobody has the whole story anytime. No. Uh, so like why subject yourself to it exactly? Yeah. When, yeah. it's, when it feels fun, when it feels right, when it feels like it adds to my life, absolutely. If it doesn't, I don't need to. And that's okay. <laughs> other, well, and that's another great lesson for our kids, right? Mm -hmm. That Because yeah. I mean, they're growing up in a whole different life than we did. Social media, all this technology came about at, for most of us in our age group. Like after after a little while, we, we had the times without it. And then now our kids have it all the time. It's good for them to be able to see that those kind of healthy boundaries, but that you can still use it in a positive way. Yeah. I'm terrified of my kids accessing social media, to be honest. Like they don't have, I have a 15, 14, 10 and five year old, and uh, none of them have access to social media and may not, to be honest, until they've left our homes. I don't know. But I, still, I, they I, see I, you modeling yeah. these healthy boundaries. Like, that's the yeah. important part. Like, you were already talking about, about being brave and showing yeah. them all these things. You're modeling it for them so they have something to reflect back upon and be yeah. like, okay, yeah, good. this worked. So, yeah, well, that's this, a good, this, like, good point. I got to be even more consistent in modeling. <laughs> <laughs> the social media thing is hard with kids. My daughter wanted Instagram for the longest time. And the only way she negotiated it was she started just a baking Instagram where she put her like baking creations on it. And I see it more as a mentoring standpoint. I want her to be on it and I want to have connection to her account and I want to see what's going on on it. I'm also friends with all of her friends on Instagram. They might block me, so I might not see much of it. I don't think they do. I see a lot, but like, they should be blocking me more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think back to when I was in junior high or high school, like it was already hard enough feeling like mm -hmm. I was good enough or that I was accepted mm. in certain circles. I can't even imagine subjecting yourself to right. social media in the way that it could accelerate any of the insecurity or any of the worry or any of the anxiety. Oh, pass. Yeah. Hard pass and then seeing when your friends are hanging out without you, I would think that would be a killer. That Brutal. would be a total killer for me Brutal. in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has been wonderful chatting with you and getting to know you, Dave. And I'm very excited to see what you do next and what you put out there. And Thank uh, you, Joanne. Thanks, Bree. I really yeah. appreciate you guys. It's yeah. fun. Well, thank you so much. And we have a link to all the books we've been talking about. I've been keeping my nice little list over here. So we will have links to all of that in our show notes. Amazing. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I enjoy talking with Dave and bringing up like all the self-development stuff because I feel there's so few people I can nerd out with about (laughs) self-development. We'll admit in this podcast, I just kind of sat there quietly quite a bit. I was like, okay. I I love it. And I love love, like all the thinking behind it and everything and how to teach it to our kids because it has made such a difference in my own life to like kind of switch the way I think about things. And it's also strategies they do teach you when you go into therapy. And I think that more people, like people don't necessarily have to go in. They shouldn't have to go into therapy to learn the strategies is what I'm saying. True. Yeah. Therapy is a great thing, but um, these strategies are beneficial wherever. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the most interesting part about the interview was at the end. So at the end. Was at the end. So like we're using this. You guys, you guys have heard well, talk so much about it. the most interesting part of the interview. The <laughs> part? The funniest was... part. It was funny to me because it was so weird. So like, okay. So because we talk about our tech stuff all the time. You're right. It wasn't the most interesting, but it was an interesting to Brie on the, on the uh, podcast producer side. So we are using um, our new for, uh, this new platform so we can have these lovely videos for you all here in podcast land. And it wouldn't upload. It was taking forever to upload. We were on there for like, like, we're just doo, 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 doo. 20 minutes waiting for it to upload. And like Dave Poor had Dave. to leave. So Dave's it was just like, like empty gotta, room. He's like, I got to go. I'm just going to leave this right here. I'll leave the computer open. And I'm like, oh, so embarrassed. I'm like, yeah. I hope you don't think we're like trying to come up with a way to stay on. Like, we just... <laughs> We just need your files so we can have the sound from this interview. We just need your files. Give us I know. All the I know. That sounds that sound like so other sneaky to it. Like, no, that's what we, this is what we yeah. do in podcast land. We're like, <laughs> we talk about files and downloads and mics and all that internet connection a lot. A and lot learning how lot. to turn on the mic. All those and turn on things. the mic. That was funny though yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were late for a podcast interview yesterday because Bree does not apparently know where the on off switch is. And not only do I not know where it is, like Joanne asked three times, well, is your mic on? And I'm like, yes, it's on. It's and a- as then I, I look at it closer and like I was looking at the O and I'm like, oh, O N for on. It's also how you spell off. Oh, <laughs> so the O was not what I thought the O was for. Anyway, it happens. It happens. learned. Yeah. Lessons well, learned. remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.